Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where three best friends from college talk about Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're discussing everyone's favorite novel, Pride and Prejudice. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Today, we're discussing episodes 1 through 50 of the iconic, world-changing web series that premiered in 2012, the one, the only, The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. You can watch this for free on YouTube. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Simpson Sensibility Pod and give us a like on Facebook. Also, please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify. We really appreciate your comments. So before we get into discussing this iconic web series that changed the face of YouTube content, I gotta know what y'all sipping. Before I say anything, all hail Hank Green. <laughs> he is my favorite green brother. Fight me on oh, it. Oh, oh, controversial. Bold. Controversial. I love the science nerd. Um. <laughs> I am currently sipping on a Smirnoff seltzer. Um, it is the red, white, and berry flavor. Wow, how patriotic of you. America. Uh, a little patriotism on St. Patrick's uh, Day Eve. Mm. <laughs> on St. Patty's Eve. LOL. Um, yeah, this was a mistake. I ordered... Um, so, I do grocery pickup because... The only times I can go grocery shopping would induce my anxiety 1,000-fold. It's just convenient, so Kroger too. Pickup, it's great, man. Um, well, they messed up and gave me the wrong case of seltzer. I was at home when I realized, and I was too lazy to drive back <laughs> and return it, so I'm just drinking it. So... Not, you know, not stay it, tuned. just to clarify, you were not drinking it in the car. You're drinking it. No, now. no, I am at home. <laughs> well, I am seated. I do feel like seltzer, if you're getting the alcoholic beverage, like seltzer flavor is not the worst one to mess up. Mm. Yeah. Because let's be honest, like there's not a lot of flavor there anyways. So it's true. true. It's not why you're drinking it. Speaking of which, Beth, I think the viewers <laughs> are dying to know. You tried the Limoncello LaCroix, and you never gave us an update. So what did you think? I know. Update! Yeah, Julie was really disappointed that I did not try it live on air. <laughs> <laughs> so I recently experienced the Limoncello LaCroix. Because it is an experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My taste buds were experiencing a lot. <laughs> and I will say at first, um, I really felt true to my guns on the last episode it at first did not have much flavor tasted vaguely lemony however <gasps> there's a butt here upon further sippage i did start to understand the lemon pound cake philosophy and conclusion so vindicated wow that's bold words yep. coming from so Beth Benson. here i am to eat my words it did taste like lemon pound cake Thank you. <laughs> this evening, though, I am not um, drinking a mediocre dessert flavored beverage. Ouch. 
I mean, I are you wrong? No. <laughs> I, yikes. Of all the dessert flavored beverages, LaCroix is not the one that you would go to. Though I do thank you, Julia, for giving me a sacrificing a can for both me and Ben to try it. Very welcome. <laughs> it was worth it. It was good. Um, yes, I'm not drinking anything so exciting this evening. I am drinking. I feel like I'm really letting down the listeners. <laughs> Because I'm drinking water again tonight. <laughs> but I do have something to talk about and to review. So it's since moving back to our, our, I was about to say hometown, but our, our college, kind of our college town slash current dwelling city. We have been really enjoying on Wednesday nights going to Wine Wednesday at a favorite local restaurant um, where you can get wine flights for a pretty good deal. Also, I just feel like I need to clarify by we, Beth means me, Beth, her husband, Ben, and my husband, Austin. That's who we is, just for our listeners. I don't travel every Wednesday to attend these. It would be wonderful, though. I would be a big fan. Mm -hmm. You probably cannot drive back. You would have to spend Not, no. (laughs) Calls out of work every Thursday. (laughs) Hey, I can't come in. Mine Wednesday got a little too rowdy last night. (laughs) Because I drove two and a half hours for dinner with my besties. Um, I'm not going to be able to make it back. (laughs) Anyways, Wine Wednesday. It's a wonderful experience. And for the last several weeks, we have had the same waitress every single time we have gone. And so she is in a rhythm with us. Like she knows what we order. She knows that Ben gets the burger with both types of cheese and curly fries. Yes. Very familiar. Um, Knows us well. And she has learned that when we are ordering our wine flights, when we say we would like, you know, X type of wine, we would like X type of wine. She knows that that means that we are each getting a wine flight, but we both would like, and when I say both, I mean, Julia and I would both like these types of wine. Mm -hmm. So we've just gotten used to speaking in that way. Well, this evening we were ordering our wine flight and... So would you like to fill in, Julia? What exactly occurred? So basically what happened? Since you were the speaker in this situation. We did, or I did, I should say, what I always do, which is point at the wines that Beth and I are both ordering for our wine flights because we share everything. (laughs) Except we don't, pointedly, we do not share the wine flights. Mm -hmm. We just get, you just share the same order. We just share the same order because we get the exact same wines every time and the exact same meal every time. So we can talk about it, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we made our decision together. So I pointed at the wine we wanted and I said, okay, we would like this wine. We would like this wine. And then the waitress looks at me and she's like, so are you guys splitting the wine flight? Which... <laughs> understandable confusion because okay so wine flights for those of you who may never have had them before basically it's like small samples of different types of wine so you can try different things definitely not for two people (laughs) it equals to about i don't know probably a decent one decent size Mm -hmm. glass of wine yeah yeah and if we were splitting we would have to be like drinking out of the same small sample cups like just not made for two and so then beth looks at her and explains the situation but it was just a little embarrassing yes i was just very kindly like i'm so sorry we come here every wednesday and we've just gotten used to being in the habit of saying that we want this and we want that and really what we mean is that we each want our own wine flight but with those specific wines 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we took for granted our waitress that we love. Um, so I am also drinking a tried whoa, and true. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, sorry. Yes, Julia. Mm-hmm. I haven't even. She's not done. I oh, I'm even sorry. Talked about uh, which wines? Yes, which absolutely. Wines? Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, so we have developed <laughs> <laughs> some favorites over the course of time. Um, and this is why I'm drinking water is because we did already have the wine flights and water just sounded like a good next step for me. We did not take them to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's allowed. And it's not because I had too much wine. It's just like, I didn't want another flavored beverage. Water just seemed like a, a good move. Anyways. So we tried the White Haven. Sauvignon Blanc. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And the 19 Crimes. Shiraz. Mm-hmm. Shiraz. I think it's Shiraz, but I could be wrong. 19 Crimes Shiraz, as well as a green wine called Vino Verde. So we're excited to talk about those a little bit at the end of the pod. I think the Vino Verde is called, is it Oyster Man or is it just called Vino Verde? Is it's Oyster Man Vino the Muscadet? Okay. We've, been, we've also been trying to try this Muscadet. I don't I've know what it is. Before. It just sounds fun. Every single week. And they have never had it. Oh so, why is it still on the menu? Because they've never updated their wine menu. Dear Lord. <laughs> they every single time they're like, just look over there at the wines, and we are like, we are blind. <laughs> ben yeah. and I have the same prescription, and neither of us bring our glasses anywhere, so we cannot see. I would like to point out that I was wearing my glasses for the very first time this evening, and I could not see any of the wines. I could just see the vague pictures. So, yeah. So, it's not helpful. <laughs> Anyways, Julia, you may now talk about your tea, I suppose. It is permissible. Yes, I am. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Deeply, deeply remorseful. Um, well, so I am actually drinking uh, the tried and true Harney and Sons Dragon Pearl Jasmine, which you all know I love. Um, but I will be assisting Beth in rating the Shiraz Savion Blanc and the Vino Verde. Um as well as just updating you on if my thoughts change on the Dragon Pearl Jasmine. But the reason that I actually made this Dragon Pearl Jasmine when we got home was because as we were leaving our restaurant this evening, this was like almost immediately pre-podcast, it started raining so hard that Ben, who was driving us home, could not see further than maybe three feet in front of him. And the walk from our car to our door, which was a few feet completely drenched our hair and our clothes so i really needed something to warm up so that's why i have my tea Mm. also Lori, you mentioned earlier you have your little patriotic beverage and that reminded me my husband and i this weekend it's my spring break my first spring break since undergrad (laughs) grad school springs (laughs) spring breaks are a little different because i definitely have a lot of assignments hanging over my head but we decided to go on a little trip to Savannah, Georgia, which is just a cute little historic coastal town. And it was really fun. But I forgot as I was planning our trip that St. Patrick's Day is coming up in a few days. And St. Patrick's Day is celebrated big time in Savannah. Mm-hmm. It is one of the second biggest St. Patrick's Day celebrations in the U.S., second only to Chicago. They dye all their fountains green, though Savannah River is dyed green. It is a wild time. Um, so we got out just in time. We're back in Milledgeville now, <laughs> but I was not expecting all of the people that were there, but it was really fun. We had a really great time, so um, we really enjoyed that. Another really important thing that we have not talked about much on the pod, um, but 
I just feel like it's worth mentioning um, because we did just spend about 15 minutes briefing Lori <laughs> is the recent Bachelor season finale. Mm. Yes. Oh my gosh. I needed to be filled in because I, uh, as we will, as you will hear in our telling during this episode, I painfully related to the grad school student living alone with her parents um, during this episode. And my parents don't watch The Bachelor. Um, and I'm not going to watch it by myself because what's the fun in that? So I needed my girls to fill me in. So fill everybody in. Because obviously it is a cornerstone of pop culture, The Bachelor. So <laughs> we had to fill her in. Well, all I wanted to say really is that it was probably the most dramatic season ever. Um, and then if we have any Sips fans who also like The Bachelor, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. So yes, um, slide well, into our DMs. Yeah. What would Austin think of The Bachelor? And what would she think of the new like period mm. drama dating mm. show that's coming out that they've... That I was not selected for. What will she think of the new season of Bridgerton <laughs> that will be coming out very shortly? Or How would she feel? Mm. So mm. many, so many things. What would she think of the Lizzie Bennett Diaries? Wow, Julia, thanks for wow. <laughs> thanks for scooting <laughs> that us segue. <laughs> scooting us right along there. So yes, what do you guys think of the Lizzie Bennett Diaries? I love it. It was a um how should I put it? The first time I watched it, it was a cultural experience, a cultural reset, one might say. The vlog video blog, as she calls it. Um, has really come into its own on YouTube now, much more than it did, you know, in 2012. <laughs> um, and so now watching it next to all the other vlogs that I watch on not a daily basis because I do not watch YouTube every day. Okay, Beth is looking at me with accusation in her eyes. I don't watch every day. That's TikTok, honey. I'm on TikTok every day. It's okay. That's um, a problem. We recently discovered that while well, you guys are watching TikTok, me and Austin are watching <laughs> YouTube shorts. <laughs> Which is just <laughs> not That's any worse better. Than Instagram reels. <laughs> We've had some arguments with Julia about what's better. I'm just going to say it felt good to revisit this series one as a recently graduated grad student um and now at 25 and now living in their parents house it felt very relatable <laughs> i also just uh, absolutely love and adore the lizzie bennett diaries i wrote my thesis in undergrad on a web series based on a shakespeare play which absolutely would not exist i'm fully convinced if not for the lizzie bennett diaries so i loved that it became such a uh like it it started a cultural movement and empowered young people to take classic novels and make them their own i think that's just so cool but i love the story and i'm obsessed and for me it is both, I think, to this day, something that I consider wonderful quality and a great story, as well as super nostalgic. Because I I was trying to remember, I do not believe I was watching Lizzie Bennett Diaries as it came out. I did not find the first episode before the rest were released, but I was definitely in high school. Um, so it was at least, you know fairly near the release date of the Lizzie Bennett Diaries and I remember being <laughs> 
my mom was shopping at a CVS pharmacy. <laughs> and we were, I think, on the way to vacation or something. And I was like crouched in the back seat, like desperately scrolling through YouTube, <laughs> watching the Lizzie Bennett Diaries playlist. And I was obsessed. And my dad was like, who's using all the data? And I was like, <gasps> you have to finish. <laughs> I just Amazing. love the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. I feel like I cannot overstate the impact that the Lizzie Bennett Diaries had on my life. I talked about this a lot when we did Emma Approved, um, because that is also made by the same team, by this like Pemberley Digital Group. Um, so I won't belabor it too much, but this was really big for me. I, mm. I think I discovered it a little bit before you guys. It definitely, it was not complete when I was watching it, though I didn't watch it, you know, exactly as it was coming out. Um, this was the first time that literature and modern media intersected for me. And I feel like it had a really, a really big impact, like I said, on me and how I saw like what was possible in the world. I was very focused, especially in high school on like a certain kind of life path and like what was set out before me and thinking about, you know, being a chemist or a doctor or an architect <laughs> or whatever. And I feel like this, seeing that this existed and that people came up with this kind of thing and that they could take something that I loved, like literature and adapt it in this new and exciting way really changed me. And it had a really big impact on me, especially. And this came up again when I was in college and I started to take these kind of classes. And I took that Jane Austen on film class that we always refer to you with Dr. Flaherty. God bless her. Oh, yeah. And for the first time in my life, like, I got to start making web series. <laughs> and I got to start writing all these papers about it, like like Julia did. I wrote a lot of um, academic work on the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. That was a really big focus of almost all the English classes I could fit it into in college. <laughs> um, valid, valid excuse. So I've spent a lot of time on this material. I've probably watched the show, I don't know, all the way through maybe five times. It, it's been a good bit. I have spent a lot of time watching this and a lot of time thinking and talking about it. Yeah, Beth and I both love, and Lori as well, the field of adaptation studies, which I feel like is obvious based on the fact that we have this podcast. In the first <laughs> we place. have an adaptation And actually, podcast. Beth discussing adaptations um, reminded me, I think we mentioned this in the Approved as well, but Beth wrote a web series adaptation of Romeo and Ju Juliet starring me as Juliet, my finest theatrical work. And I actually <laughs> went back and watched the two episodes that we made while I was watching the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. And gosh, I, oh, man, that was just, it's so much fun. And again, like I mentioned this when I was discussing my experience with the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, but I love the way that this series empowered young people and young women I think in particular to make classical literature their own yeah I think my one of my biggest regrets from college is never finishing that I mean it's not like we couldn't finish you it couldn't do it now <laughs> but I think it would have been so cool if we had made an entire web series about it I'm always down <laughs> well as we've mentioned a bunch today we are talking about the Lizzie Bennett Diaries and this was created by Bernie Sue and Hank Green, among others. And Bernie Sue, who worked on this with Hank Green, is also an incredible filmmaker in his own right as well. Yeah, and afterwards they went on to create Pemberley Digital, where they did a lot of other adaptations, including Immer Approved, which we talked about in our very first season. <laughs> Gosh, wow! doesn't that feel like a long time ago? 
Well, I think one of the best ways to talk about what other people thought of this is to talk about the views. And this really, I mean, as we hinted at in our in our opinions, this kind of was a cultural phenomenon in a certain way with a certain group of people. And it did really change like the YouTube web series game. And the first video, so the very first episode of the Lizzie Bennett Diaries has 3.4 million views. <gasps> wow. So that's a lot of people come into, coming to YouTube and in a time where it was popular, but it, it certainly was not as popular as it is now. Um, a lot of people come to YouTube to watch a web series based on yeah. Jane Austen, based on Pride and Prejudice, which is pretty cool. Um, and this has an 8.8 .8 out of 10 stars on IMDb. So I would say it's it's pretty beloved. Uh, it also won an Emmy. Yeah, it did. So, I mean, it really did. It changed so much. And I think that this, what's so different about it and what I focused on a lot in a lot of the papers that I wrote was the way that it's done, right? So when we're watching the period pieces and we're watching the modern films, we're pretty much always like from an audience's perspective, like we're watching all the scenes play out. You're seeing every character on screen. Um, you know, you, we see the characters walking and they're outside and, you know, they're going about their lives and we're just kind of like a fly on the wall almost, like observing everything that's going on. Uh, whereas the Lizzie Bennet Diaries is something that is specifically created for an audience. And so the premise of it is that Lizzie is making a vlog and so she is sitting at her computer talking to a camera and talking to, you know, viewers. So like other people on the internet watching her. Us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it really changes it. And like, it is called a diary and it does make it a much more personal story. And um, I think that that choice with the cinematography to have it filmed that way versus having it filmed like some other web series are in the more like traditional movie or documentary mm -hmm. style. Um, it really changes the game. And I also think that we've talked about it, but in the book, you have much more insight into what's going on into Elizabeth's head. And it's so hard to really capture everything that's going on with her and to really get her, the nuance of her character right. But presenting it this way where she is presenting what she thinks and what she's going through through the audience really gives you so much more into the complexity of Elizabeth Bennett than you get in these like long um really Oscar level films and there's really not much else to say about the you know the cinematography the music and the vibe it does feel very like 2010s somewhat um, blurry, not even blurry, but just like poor camera quality video. <laughs> like it feels like you're We're watching. We're not at 4K yet. <laughs> There's yeah. some fun and comedic like cuts though. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are some fun cuts. Um, and I think that they utilize cuts well, as well as the, mm -hmm. like, and the further they get in, they kind of change some camera angles and, um, some other things about it, but you know, it's nothing like it would be if we were talking about, you know, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. I would just like to point out that she calls this a video blog the entire time. <laughs> we all know it's a vlog. Um, but they took this format and they ran with it in such a 
great way. You see, you know, the awkward setting up the camera by yourself and accidentally shooting your entire chest while you're doing it and not cutting it. Um, of like amateur filmmakers when we all know that this was put together by a fairly professional team um, production-wise with, you know, the Green Brothers doing YouTube for as long as they have. Um, And I think that makes it very unique in the fact that they took this new upcoming format and took Jane Austen (laughs) and ran with it. Yeah, I completely agree. They totally leaned into the vlog format. Um, And we do get some interesting things like Charlotte, supposedly Charlotte, Mm -hmm. who is the editor, you know, freeze framing, (laughs) talking over Lizzie, (laughs) you know, drawing on Lizzie. There's a good variety of that kind of thing. Um, But before we we get too far, I think we should go ahead and talk about a little bit more about what the show is about. You know, this is a, a vlog, as we've mentioned. It's called The Lizzie Bennett Diaries, and it was created by Bernie Sue and Hank Green. And they created the show and then eventually went on to create Pamberley Digital, which is like a a media company. It was also kind of a a joke a little bit. Um, And they made other shows like Emma Approved. Um, I think they even did one based on Frankenstein. Um, I, I, you know, it's just pretty interesting. So as we mentioned, Lizzie Bennett Diaries is a web series. It has a hundred episodes and they're each about like, I don't know, three to five minutes long. Would you guys say that's accurate? Mm -hmm. Okay. And today, as we talked about, we're going to talk about episodes one through 50. So when you get to episode 50, there's a little bit of a story shift. And so we're going to talk about those first 50 episodes today. As mentioned, it is really important to know going in that this is a vlog. It takes place entirely, or at least for the most part, from Lizzie's perspective. For almost the whole thing, she is the one talking to the camera. And so there are some characters who do not appear on screen or who only appear in reenactments of scenes or who only appear, you know, maybe towards <laughs> the very end of the show or in a select few episodes. Um and one thing that is really pivotal are those reenactment scenes that I mentioned. <laughs> and that's something that I loved so much about the show. I thought it was hilarious. You know, she is the one talking and Charlotte is behind the camera, quote unquote. And oftentimes she'll call Charlotte or a sister or, you know, someone else. And it's like the camera cuts and they both have, they have props on and they have little scripts in there you know, reenacting a scene that took place between her parents or between Bingley and Jane or, you know, whoever it is. And it's kind of a fun way to see what's happening off the camera. It's so much fun. And one thing that I love is that every single time Mrs. Bennett appears, she's wearing like a big tea hat, pearls, a scarf, and she always talks like this. It's so, so funny. Um, So the premise of LBD is that this is Lizzie's vlog and it is a part of her schoolwork. She is a graduate student getting her degree in mass communication. So we love I a felt, grad student. I felt a little bit of camaraderie there, like with the whole, you know, communication track. Um, and so while her BFF Charlotte is by her side to edit the videos, Lizzie is primarily the one speaking and telling the story. Lizzie and her sisters, Jane and Lydia. Yes, they're only 
only three sisters this time, so no Mary and Kitty. Big cut. Yeah. They uh they all still live at home, and so the two of them, Lydia and Jane, pop into the videos pretty frequently. Uh, we learn that Jane is working in the fashion industry and that Lydia is a college student, and their lives are oh, oh so greatly affected when <laughs> Mr. Bing Lee and his sister and his friend Mr. Darcy come to town. Mr. Darcy. Does this is that sound his familiar? First name or his last name? <laughs> we never know. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't call him Mr. Darcy because they always just refer to him as Darcy the whole time. Darcy. Um, Bingley is a wealthy medical student, and Darcy is in a um, you know, we don't exactly know, but like a leadership corporate position at Pemberley Digital, <laughs> which is an entertainment <laughs> wow. company. Um, the interactions from here, really, in my opinion, for most of the vlog, are very similar to the book, but with a modern twist. The group, instead of meeting at a ball, meets at a wedding, which is mm-hmm. much more fitting. Mm-hmm. And Jane and Bing really hit it off. Um, eventually, they're invited to dinner at the Bennett household. And then that dinner, which the girls view as a little disastrous <laughs> is followed up by a late night outing to a bar. Um, we get a really interesting couple of vlogs after that outing to the bar, um, in which other people take over. And so mm-hmm. Charlotte and Jane very pointedly take over a vlog episode and they reveal that Lizzie is, we have to keep in mind is what they're telling us that Lizzie is giving us a very one sided view of events. She's biased. She is. No wonder. <laughs> oh. And they say that it did pretty much seem like Darcy was uh, into Lizzie at the bar and that maybe he wasn't so judgmental and disgusted by her as she <laughs> seems to think. They end up going to a bar again later on. Um, and during this time, Jane is kind of like pressuring Lizzie to like f- get a boyfriend, like find someone and be happy because Jane is so happy with being. And that's just kind of the kind of person that she is i felt the pain y'all i felt the pain (laughs) this is a really important night at this bar because lizzie meets swim coach wickham i just love the fact that the swim coach is here because their town every year hosts a huge swim meet so all the college swimmers come to town (laughs) it's just so clever it was creative um so swim coach Wickham enters the picture and Lizzie and Lydia are pretty interested in him. Um, she is, Lizzie is pretty excited about Wickham. We like see her texting, you know, the classic like look down, text and smile. <laughs> we get that a little bit. Um, she's texting him quite a good bit. And she also continues this plot that's really been going on the whole time of her trying to sabotage Jane and Bing's relationship and that's just because she doesn't, she feels like it's an arranged marriage mm. and she doesn't want Jane to be with him just because her mom wants him to be with her to be with him. Um, she's kind of missing the point a little bit that like Jane very obviously likes him. She also mentions a few times that she is really worried about losing Jane as well. And now mm-hmm. she wouldn't cite that as one of the motivating factors you as a member of the audience can definitely tell that that is something that is behind her actions. Yeah. And we can also tell not only is she worried about losing Jane, but she's really worried about her family's financial situation. Mm-hmm. And we find out at one point at one point that they may actually like lose their house. Um, so it's just, 
kind of a, you know, not the greatest time for Lizzie. She's she's struggling a little bit. And that financial strain is also how they explain why all three girls are still living at home. Because Jane doesn't make a lot of money in the fashion industry. She has a lot of student loans. Um, same goes for Lizzie. She doesn't have a lot of money in grad school. So they're all living at home. Their parents don't have a lot. Their parents are worried about their money. They're cutting coupons, etc. Yeah. Um, and from here, very like the book, Lydia convinces Bing to throw a party. But very unlike the book, <laughs> Jane spends the night with Bing after said party. Dun, dun, dun. A little 21st Ooh. century for you. Um, shortly after the gang goes to VidCon, um, after the success of the vlogs, the LBD team heads to VidCon and they run into none other than Ricky Collins. Ooh. He, y'all, you have to watch this to like very appreciate <laughs> have to watch. him and the way that he talks. It's wild. Um, and he reveals his new venture is backed by Catherine DeBerg. Sound familiar? <laughs> um, so right before they left for VidCon, they found out that their house is going to be under construction, um, that her that the Bennett parents are going to be doing some renovations. I wonder and whose so, idea that was. <laughs> I know. So Lizzie and Jane cannot stay there. Bingley kindly offers them um, rooms at his house, and so they are left with little other choice than to go and stay at Netherfield. <laughs> wow. How crazy. How convenient. I feel like everything that happens there while they're staying with Bing really play out very similarly to how they do in the book. Um, The Lees actually appear on the vlog. They find out about it. And um, we get to meet Caroline and Bing on screen for the first time. Jane and Bing fall more and more in love. There's lots of banter that we find out that occurs with Darcy and Lizzie. Um, And it seems like Darcy is just very into Elizabeth or Lizzie as she's called at this point. Um, around this time, our guy, Mr. Collins comes back to town. Um, and rather than being met with a marriage proposal, and this is one of my favorite changes, but rather than being met with a marriage proposal, he offers Lizzie a job. Of course, she declines and our very own Charlotte Lou accepts that same job and Charlotte moves away. And I think that one really clever thing they did in the translations here, they had a conversation on screen between Charlotte and Elizabeth where they were talking about the jobs that they would be willing to take in media. Would Elizabeth be willing to take a job that gave her a lot of money but wasn't making the world a better place? Charlotte was very practical, as she is in the books, and Elizabeth was very much thinking, no, I wouldn't reject the money if it didn't improve the world. I want to save the world with my career and so it really makes sense that she would turn down the offer of mr collins who doesn't necessarily work for a company that's improving people's livelihoods but charlotte would say yes and i felt like they translated that really well and really coming out of this it's just one uh, one hit after another for lizzie because she finds out not only is her, is her best friend moving away but wickham also tells her tells her this sob story about you know his past with Darcy and then he tells her that he has accepted a job somewhere else and he is going to be moving away then Bing Lee and his group of friends um, Darcy and Caroline they suddenly leave without telling anyone 
Jane actually finds out on Twitter, which is kind of heartbreaking. Um, and Jane ends up moving to LA because she gets promoted. So another person that Lizzie loves has left her. So Jane does say that she's moving to LA to get prom- because she got promoted, but like, you know, maybe similar to the book, she's also going after being a little bit. So after all of this news of everyone leaving her, this last episode, this 50th episode that we're stopping on is called Moving On. And Lizzie just feels like everyone is moving on without her. And that is where we're going to stop at today, my friends. A lot of other exciting things happen in episode 51 through 100. I highly, a lot. highly encourage you to go ahead and, and watch this because it is pretty spectacular. So with that said, let's discuss Elizabeth or Lizzie as she's called in this adaptation. Lizzie is played by Ashley Clements and Ashley has done a few things since the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. She actually was in another web series sponsored by Hank Green called Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party where she played Mm. Charlotte Bronte in the film August Falls, she played Louise. Recently, she played um, Bellion Sona in a TV series called Sona. And she also played Beth in the TV series A Tale Told by an Idiot. So Ashley Clements, as I've said, plays Lizzie. She is the host of the Beloved Blogs, and she, I think, brings a unique spin on it. So what did you guys think of Lizzie and uh, Ashley Clements' portrayal? I think she did a great job at bringing Lizzie to the 21st century. Um, You can really tell the way that she portrays Lizzie, that Lizzie is quick to judge and she holds on to those judgments. And you can see kind of the insecurity that's underneath some of that judgment that she's trying to like cover up. And you can really tell that she's using some of that judgment and um, firm opinions as kind of a blanket tied to some insecurity. Um, real quick, something that I forgot to mention earlier, and I just want to throw in here before I talk about Lizzie, is that, actually, maybe I should just say it and then put it back. I do think that it is important to note that this series is a little bit more PG-13. It's not like anything... You know, we didn't really see anything on screen besides people talking for the most part, but some of the language that they use is a little bit more mature. And so I would recommend if you have younger ears listening, not to this episode necessarily, but if you have younger ears listening um, to the show to just be careful and be mindful of that. Adding to that, Beth, that this was also filmed in 2012. Um, so some of the words utilized... Um, Lydia even has a moment where she says something and then says, wait, am I allowed to say that? Um, Might not be 2022 approved. Um, So also keep that in mind. So one of my favorite things about the show uh, is that the actors are not, you know, they're not well known. I do think they do an incredible job, but they're not, you know, it's not Keira Knightley. It's not Colin Firth playing these beloved characters. These are people who, um, had maybe not been in as much or hadn't had like a huge starring role prior to being on the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought that, that all of them across the board did a great job, but especially Lizzie who we do spend just an incredible amount of time with. 
Um, I was blown away by her portrayal and how she handles um, being the really being the primary primary vehicle for the entire story. She does a great job of expressing a wide range of emotions of kind of saying there's like things that are unsaid. I think that she portrays those really well, um, especially in these first 50 episodes. We do get to see that a little bit. She also brings a really fun energy to the character that we don't always get to see. I think we've been seeing that a lot more in these like modern adaptations, but it definitely doesn't occur the same way in the period adaptations. So I liked the energy that she brought. Um, I like, you know, the choices that they made to adapt her for the modern audience, you know, having her in grad school, having her start a vlog. Um, You know, a lot of times we see Lizzie as being really focused on in adaptations, being really focused on being a writer or, um, yeah, wanting to finish a book, something like that. And so I think that the choice to have her creative, her creative outlet be a vlog is a really interesting one. Yeah. I just loved Ashley Clement's portrayal of Lizzie. I also found her to be really believable. Um, there, I, I don't feel like I had any moments where I was like, yikes, I don't believe what she's saying. You know, like I felt like she embodied the role really really well i also just loved her dynamics with her sisters too both mm-hmm. her dynamic with jane and lydia not only i felt like were relatable in terms of having a sister uh like the script was believable but i also felt like it was really true to the book as well that the dynamics the way they translated them really changed over and i felt like especially with jane because we see so much sister dynamic between Jane and Lizzie in the books and I just felt like that came through really well and I loved watching her interact with Jane. I really liked as Laurie mentioned too they show Elizabeth or Lizzie's prejudices very well. Mm. Uh, She's still likable as a character but you definitely see her flaws Mm. Um, and I thought they just did a really great job with portraying that and Ashley Clements did. Um, and I also just love the idea of her as a grad student because Lizzie is funny and we're supposed to see that and she has flaws and we're supposed to see that, but she's also really smart. And I don't know, you know, being in grad school, I just like the idea of having a female heroine who's in grad school as well. So it made her like infinitely more relatable, especially now that like, obviously I related and I loved it when I was an undergrad, but now having just finished my grad degree, I'm like, oh, I know where you're at (laughs) in life. Exactly. And she's like, at this one point is like not having a breakdown about being single. There's a whole episode that's like, I'm single and it's okay. I deeply relate to you right now. And it kind of hurts. So I think one thing that we need to talk about, it's the unseen man who affects so much. So... Darcy has not, as of yet, we may in the future see him, but as of yet, Darcy has not appeared on camera, but he is a force that is continually acknowledged. So I just want to know, while we're talking about Lizzie, how do you all feel about the way Darcy is discussed and how his character is being adapted? Man, that slow build, (laughs) really withholding him. Um, I love it. think that you know I think you have to go into this knowing that you're getting I mean they talk about it you're getting such a skewed Mm. version of things because it's just so heavily from Elizabeth's perspective 
Um, but you do get a lot of funny tidbits, you know, other people and reenactments, um, kind of things that we pick up off camera. There's just a lot going on. And really from that, I picked up on a Darcy who was very true to the book. A lot of times, even when they're talking about things he said in conversations, it's actually direct lines from the book. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of other languages modernized, um, his often is not. Like he does say that line about, you know, I've been I've been pondering the effect that a pair of fine eyes can have. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I love they, that line. Yeah. They have him say that, or at least we hear that he has said that and and some other things that are similar. We, you know, we don't know the intimate details of who he is as a character or as deeply because we haven't had as much interaction with him on screen. But overall, I do feel like so far in these first 50 episodes, they are setting him up well to be very similar to the Darcy from the book. I completely agree. I think that the Darcy of the book and the Darcy of the vlog portrayal are very similar. And it's not really that hard to put Darcy into the 21st century because he slides in so perfectly like his character like adjusts very well I think that also might just be my bias um but even though you don't see Darcy like Beth says he kind of like permeates the whole vlog after like what the fifth episode yeah (laughs) he is there in spirit and in that first parody that they do the iconic uh newsboy hat will always return and the fake texting is very real so i also feel like that's just such a credit to ashley clements and her acting as well because every time he's brought up she just has this kind of like visceral reaction and as laura's mentioning whenever they do costume theater darcy has on newsboy hat bow tie he's always looking down and texting and grumpy and the way she portrays him you just have such a complete picture of how lizzie feels about darcy so i think they do a great job with that and one thing that beth was mentioning too she was discussing uh how we see snippets of his character from other perspectives. And so one day Charlotte and Jane take over the blog to talk about Darcy and how they think he actually likes Lizzie. And that's when we get to hear about the line, uh, the pair of fine eyes and the effect that they can have. Charlotte and Jane perform that with their costume theater. And it's just so fun to see them basically kind of calling Lizzie out a little bit for the prejudice she has against Darcy and then her reaction the next day when she's talking about what she saw it's it's really such a credit to her and to the script writing that we have such a clear picture of Darcy and I totally agree with you guys with you guys I think that the impression that we're left with so far is very true to the book he is um unlikable and taciturn but maybe not as unlikable and taciturn as Lizzie thinks. So with that said, let's talk about that occasionally conniving, but mostly so sweet character, Jane. Jane is played by 
Laura Spencer. And Laura Spencer has actually been in quite a few TV shows and films. She was actually on the TV show Bones as Jessica Warren in The Big Bang Theory as Emily Sweeney. She was in that Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party web series as Jane Austen. So that's fun. And she was recently in the film 13 Minutes as the character Vicky. So what did you all think of Laura Spencer's portrayal of Jane? I thought it was really good. The way that they brought Jane in made her, at least in my eyes, much more shy than um, the book, I guess, portrays her. Um, Or I guess much more timid, I should say. I think putting Jane in the fashion industry was very interesting. I mean, I think it makes sense. You know, sweet loving girl of course you love fashion but I also like the fact that she's vastly underpaid and underappreciated um which feels very much 21st century I like how the other characters interact with her there's this great little back and forth between Charlotte and Lizzie at the beginning where Charlotte's like only the two of us can tell the difference between the Janisms and it's like hi I'm Jane Hi, I'm Jane. Hi, I'm Jane. The two of us only know the difference between those three things. We're lifelong scholars in the studies of Jane. (laughs) Yeah, it was like perfectly put. I thought she was wonderful. Uh, Every single time that Jane is on screen, she just like radiates this kindness and warmth. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. comes across in the YouTube video. It's really incredible. And that really captures the spirit of Jane to me. Um, I do think she's a more meek version. And mm-hmm. I think that is bec- a little bit because of the modern adaptation. I think that it helps with her character and kind of understanding some of her actions as well as really completing like the character development that occurs over the course of the series. But I think so far we really see her as being more timid, but she's just so consistently kind. I think one of the scenes that really sticks out in my mind is the scene where Lizzie and Jane are talking and she's like, come on, come on. You can't say one kind word about <laughs> I love this. Darcy. And we just hear Jane going, um, well, he's, mm, he's, you know, he's tall. <laughs> it, it's just so cute. And I think that they made excellent choices with her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love Jane. I also feel like she has that warmth that you were talking about, Beth. And she's also like, she somehow does this thing where she has like very large like princess doe eyes but Mm -hmm. somehow the facial expressions she's constantly making is so like doll like almost i don't know how else to describe it but it's just oh she's just so like innocent and pure seeming she always has just the best attitude honestly ashley clements occasionally in costume theater will play jane and I love her impressions of Jane as well. Um, But yes, I loved Laura Spencer's portrayal. I think the enduring kindness and resiliency of Jane is really um, shown in this adaptation. And often Lizzie tells Jane that she is being too kind and that there is such a thing as being too kind. And so I think that carries over really well because it is something that, you know, Jane kind of has to like learn. And that she does learn in the novel is that not 
everyone has your best interest at heart. So I really love this portrayal of Jane. She is very demure. She's very meek. I also really like, and I feel like this is true to her character, but after Jane spends the night at Bingley's house, her sisters kind of make a lot of jokes about what they might have been doing. And Jane mentions, you know, they were only talking and she is very insistent with her sisters about how she and Bingley everything is very above board, everything is very pure. And I feel like that makes a lot of sense for a 21st century take on Jane. Um, So I really enjoyed that. So we cannot talk about Jane without talking about our boy, Bing Lee. And I just love that in this adaptation, we get so much attention to the relationship with Jane and Bing Lee, because that is really missing in certain adaptations and you might have noticed we are putting emphasis on bing and lee and that's because his first name is bing and his last name is lee um so as beth mentioned he is a rich med student which seems like an oxymoron that is an oxymoron (laughs) but (laughs) apparently he has some family money and bing lee was portrayed by christopher sean who actually was recently the voice of Dick Grayson or Nightwing in the video game Gotham Knights. He portrayed Freights in the film Young Again. Uh, He guest starred on NCIS. He was in a few episodes of the most recent season of the TV show You on Netflix. So very different from this. Um, But as I said, Christopher Sean played this version of Bing Lee, and we actually have seen him on screen a few times. So what did you all think of this take on Bing? I liked it. Our boy. He's so cute. Little golden retriever boy. Mm -hmm. He is golden retriever energy. Um, I love how they put him into the 21st century, and he's very, like, you can tell that he is golden retriever happy 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 very uh skillful in his manner of speaking i guess because he's able to aptly shift uh we learn in the first uh, maybe third uh of our 50 episodes that he was able to eliminate Lydia and Mrs. Bennett back to their house after they've invited themselves over by inviting himself to dinner very very crafty our our boy there's some brains behind that golden retriever energy yeah i agree and he must have pretty good brains if he is a a med student a wealthy <laughs> med student a wealthy med student yes um major golden retriever energy vibes here from bing love the name change i really like calling him bing perfect <laughs> it's so bing. cute he was great in my opinion good acting so far, it's it is hard to make it a, an assessment because we really just haven't seen him on screen that much. Um, but I do find his character changes to be, you know, to make sense. I feel like he when we see him on screen, he does come across as very in love with Jane, like very smitten with her and just also a genuinely kind ver- like person. Um, I think that the way that he acts towards Lizzie and inviting them to his home, like really mimics that kindness and I feel like it it shows like his the fact that he is such a good match for Jane I totally agree and I think that one thing I love about this is that kindness and genuineness are not synonymous with being stupid and I feel like last episode we really Mm -hmm. felt that come through where this kind man 
was portrayed as dumb. And I just think it's so important that kindness and sensitivity, especially in a man, are not synonymous with any lesser intelligence or any like less manliness, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I love that this Bing is both kind and sensitive and also smart. I really appreciate that we get that in this Bing. Um, we haven't really seen him on screen a lot, but he's always talked about very positively. All of the girls love him, all of the sisters, of course. And when we do see him, it's mostly in interactions with Jane. And as Beth said, he just seems so in love. And I really do think that they have great chemistry. And even in his interactions with Elizabeth, the way he talks about Jane and serves her is just really sweet he when she's sick um is gonna go out to pick a movie for jane and at first he shows her elizabeth something that he's wondering if jane will like with zombies and she's like oh jane doesn't really like that kind of thing and he shows her something else and elizabeth says oh a period piece you know they might revoke your man card for going and picking that up and he's just basically telling her he does not care about that and i just really i liked that because i feel like that is the being that we see in the books. He loves Jane. He doesn't care what other people think. And so I just really appreciate Christopher Sean's portrayal. I think there's one more main character that we really need to hit on uh, before we continue. Someone hmm. who we really don't talk about. Ever talk about. That much in other adaptations. Someone who is often ignored, but is arguably a super pivotal part of Very. the plot. And that is... The controversial Lydia Bennett, who is portrayed in this adaptation by Mary Kate Wiles. Mary Kate Wiles was also in that uh, YouTube series, Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party, and she actually played Annabelle Lee. She was also in the Ultimate Spider-Man TV series as Francis Beck slash Mysterio. She was in the TV miniseries out of left field as Monica and she recently was in the TV series Young Sheldon as Patricia. So what did you guys think of Mary Kate Wiles and this adaptation's take on Lydia? Talk about a character that is perfect <laughs> for the 21st century. You want a boy crazy just hit college age girl? Perfect. I think she is perfectly cast too. I think Mary Kate does this great job of portraying the many different facets that we get with Lydia. What? <laughs> what? Adorbs. Um, keep in mind, Lydia is, I would say, 90% of the reason why this we're giving the PG-13 rating to this show. Both some of the language that she uses yes. and some of the language that is used to describe her actions. And by what Julia means is that the, the word that is often used to describe Lydia is boy crazy, but like the not nice version of that. Yeah, a lot of the like the language that we don't love, like Julia said, is really kind of surrounded or connected to Lydia in some way. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just have... I have a deep fondness for this version of Lydia. She really endears herself to you. And there is a separate vlog series called The Lydia Bennett, um, where she really gets a chance to tell her side of the story more. After I watched this, I felt very connected to these actors and very committed to their success. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, 
I followed their careers very closely. For whatever reason, Mary-Kate Wiles really stuck out to me and I watched a lot of other random YouTube things that she was in. Same. Including a series called I Ship It, which is a fictional Uh, web series on YouTube that I would highly, highly recommend for all you literature lovers Um, and especially Harry Potter lovers. (laughs) Anyways, really like her. I, I think her acting is really incredible. Um, you get to see it here in these first 50 episodes, just how much she embraces the character of Lydia. Like you guys were saying, like she fully embodies it in her mannerisms and the word choice. And I know a lot of that was the writing, but a lot of that was also her acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Lydia just makes a lot of sense happening in a modern world. Um, the way that they've characterized her, the choices that they've made with her life, um, and how we hear about her behaving. It feels like it is on a much wild, wilder, bigger scale. But then again, like dropping your handkerchief in front of a boy doesn't really have quite the same effect yeah. mm-hmm. now that it would back then. So they really had to amp up a lot of those characteristics for her. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Beth. I think her actions can seem wild and a little bit maybe unsettling for somebody who's used to the restrained nature of the period film but when you put Lydia's actions in the novel in context of the day I really do think that this adaptation makes sense um I do think this take on Lydia makes sense and I have not always loved this take on Lydia in fact the first time that I watched this story whenever Lydia appeared on screen, I was just annoyed. I found her character so frustrating. And while I do not think that the character is necessarily my favorite, uh, or I, I'm not saying she's not annoying is I guess what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Even though I wouldn't say today that she's not annoying. I was watching this and just so impressed with how accurate I felt like this portrayal of Lydia was and how wonderful a job I thought Mary-Kate Wiles did in capturing Lydia and her um, motivations and desires and all of those kinds of things. Again, I also really liked her relationship with Elizabeth. I thought that it made a lot of sense and was really, honestly, at some points kind of sweet to watch. Um, And I think that thinking about Lydia in the novel and how she would react to her sister having a video blog, the way that Lydia reacts to Lizzie with a video blog makes a lot of sense. So um, even though uh, I can understand why people might find her annoying, and I definitely still do, I really now can look at her character and Mary Kate's portrayal and appreciate it. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that we're talking about everyone's favorite annoying little sister, um, because that's truly what she is in this, I think we can talk about some of the booked-to-movie inaccuracies that we've got going on here. Obviously, transporting Pride and Prejudice to 2012, uh, there's going to be some changes. And I think we've touched on most of them um, in the summary. I think perhaps the biggest one that we see right off the bat We've gone from five sisters to three. There is no Mary and there is no Kitty. Um, The classic cutting out of the sisters. (laughs) You got to remove some. And unfortunately, they don't make the cut. Although Mary is mentioned at one point 
when the girls have to uh, leave their house because it's being remodeled, Lydia is staying with her parents at their cousin Mary's house. Mm -hmm. And Lydia also mentioned that she's adopted a cat named Kitty who follows her around and (laughs) watches her every move, which is very (laughs) accurate. (laughs) Yeah. When I realized that the cat was Kitty, I thought it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I just also wanted to say that Mary is on Lydia's vlog. Mm -hmm. So you do get to see her if you watch those additional episodes. There's a second, there's, so there's two playlists if you watch this. There's one that is just the original 100 episodes um, of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. And then there's a second one that is a 160 episodes. And that one is called the Complete Playlist. And the difference is that one is the channel Pimberly Digital's playlist. Mm-hmm. And the 100 episode one is the Lizzie Bennet Diaries channel playlist. Yes. And the one with 160 has both the original episodes, the Lydia Diaries, and there's a few like extra tidbits thrown in there. Like there's some from Charlotte, um, and then you you get some like Q and A's and stuff in there too. So you do get the full picture if you watch the Lizzie Bennet Diaries playlist version. That's a hundred episodes. Basically, watching the Pemberley Digital playlist is like watching the extended edition of Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a little bit of extra detail. Our husbands will be so glad that you made that reference. <laughs> I thought about them. Um, another big change is, so instead of the ball, at the very beginning we have a wedding. And at that wedding, Lizzie and Darcy do in fact dance. They are forced to dance. One catches the bouquet and one catches the garter, which I think it's hilarious that they translated that into them having to dance. Um, so they do dance in this adaptation. The next major thing is they take that second big dance and they turn it into a dinner and a trip to a bar. You know, your classic 21st century bar escapades. And honestly, the next two are just kind of like fun little tidbits. They turn the militia into swimmers, which I love. <laughs> um, instead of the militia are coming to town, it's Hot guys in swimsuits are coming to town. Honestly, as a former competitive swimmer, the idea that (laughs) could be found among the ranks of swim coaches is honestly so incredibly accurate and believable. It's painful. Cannot tell you how many Wickhams I met on the swim team. (laughs) And lastly, this is just a fun little jab that they just added. They went to VidCon. Which, as a 2012 production, VidCon was kind of an icon. Still is, honestly. Honestly, yes. Gosh, I think we have some exciting things to talk about next. I mean, if we haven't been like sharing all of our opinions and thoughts so far, <laughs> I am really, I am actually excited. I've been saving something to talk about for this Me next too. question you're going to ask us, Lori. And that question is, ladies... What are your make it or break it of part one of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries? Well, um, my make it, and it is hard to choose, but I, I this is something that just stands out to me when I think of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. I think about costume theater. Oh, yes. And costume theater is, of course, what they call the reenactments that they do of the scenes that have occurred. And it's just so iconic to me. Mm. Um, It was such a creative way that they came up with to like show some of the stuff that's happening on screen so that it wasn't just like 
and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened like where lizzie is just like straight up telling Mm -hmm. us everything and also if you watch it the props that they use to represent each character are so perfect Mm -hmm. they just really stick out in your mind like they are icons to me and while we were recording i remembered that i have a sticker on my laptop you do that i bought freshman (laughs) year of college from redbubble and it is that little you know page boy cap a red bow tie and then the words mr darcy um so it stuck with me that much that every single day i see it on my laptop (laughs) it's just really special and I think that especially in this first half where we're getting a lot less interactions with the characters on screen, those moments are really important. They're really important for conveying information. They're important for seeing what Lizzie thinks of people. I just really love them. They're special to me. Um, And then my break it, you know, I just really don't like that they call Lydia a slut. Yeah. Um, that was like a big focus of one of my papers that I wrote on in college I do think that there is later on some incredible progress to be made but I think the first half that is the main thing that sticks out to me if I'm just watching the first 50 episodes I am not okay with the way that they talk about Lydia so I agree with you Beth I was actually gonna say uh, that the costume theater was my make it as well it is super iconic it's also just it is so hilarious but in addition to that I also love the dynamics between the sisters, between Jane and Lizzie and Lydia. I feel like it captures um, the reality of modern sisterhood really well. And I also just think it's at the same time incredibly book accurate. Um, I also really didn't like the way that they talked about Lydia on that. But I do feel like, uh, not excusing the language that they used or anything, But I do feel like there's a lot of judgment from Elizabeth in the books towards Lydia. So I don't know that that's necessarily like, you know, off from the way the book portrays their relationship. Again, not excusing the language used. Um, I do think that my break it other than that is probably Caroline Bingley. Um, she was another character that on my initial watch through, I was really annoyed by. I will always be annoyed by the character of Caroline Bingley. This portrayal is annoying to me, not because of the actress, just because of Caroline and Caroline annoys me in period pieces. Caroline annoys me in modern day. I just, I, I do not like Caroline. Also, we didn't mention this, but Caroline Bingley shows up in Emma Approved as the fiance of Mr. Elton, and she's annoying in that too. So I just just do not like her. I would have to say that my make it is kind of two-parter, I guess. One is all the references. You get so many pop culture references in this that it's insane there's a gossip girl reference dropped very quickly oh, i forgot about this but there's also a reference that goes over caroline's head that lizzie makes to the iconic snl sketch van down by the river <laughs> and i didn't notice yes. that the first time i watched it but i thought it was hilarious this time around yes there are just so many great references that if you listen and pay attention to you're gonna catch and it oh they're fabulous um, the second part is just how freaking relatable Lizzie is 
as a 20 year old in the middle of their 20s. You know, like living at home with your parents. If you're painfully single, then you're painfully single and you're watching everybody around you get married. Your parents are asking you when you're going to, you know, get married, start dating. Your grandparents, even though they're not here, you know, they're inquiring. You know, like like minds want to know when are you going <laughs> to find somebody and settle down and have 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. You know, like you feel the pressure and you can see Lizzie start to crack. And I think one of the perfect things that Lizzie says, I'm pretty sure in the first episode, that really translates to dating nowadays is when she's talking about Bing Lee and her mom trying to set Jane up. She's like, what if he's gay? What if he's a serial killer? What if he's a gay serial killer? And it's like, that's just dating in a digital world in 2021. Um, My break it is also the fact that it's painfully relatable um, and that it deeply wounded my soul. <laughs> so, Lori, who would you date from this adaptation? Well, I have my choice of men, don't I? Who would you date at this point yes. in the story? That's what I was about to say. Exactly. One of them you haven't seen yet. So try and keep that in mind. I haven't seen. Take away the fact that you have seen him on prior <laughs> prior viewings. No, right? So this is this is Lori's choice, episode one through fifty. And I'm gonna have to say, although Ricky Collins really shoots a shot, I'm gonna go with Bing. Yes, and James Everett rejoice. <laughs> so sweet. He's so sweet. Yeah. Also, he's like one of the only ones you get to see on screen. Yeah. So. Yeah. We have very limited male interaction um, <laughs> in the first act. We really only see Bing Lee and Ricky. So true. Well, Lori, now that you have told us about who you would date, why don't you go ahead and tell us how your drink was? Well, spoiler alert, it really just tastes like water with like a very faint mixed berry flavor. It says red white and berry and it's supposed to be cherry citrus and blue raspberry which i love two of those things a lot it it doesn't taste like either of those things it's just like a very faint very faint mixed berry and that's about mm, it that's sad because those flavors sound like they would be really fun yeah i i was hoping but i it failed me mm, sad beth what about you well, I am excited to talk about our wine flight. Um, I'm going to talk about the Shiraz that we had, which was by 19 Crimes. And this is one we've had before. We do try and normally choose different wines. We like to, you know, to mix, mix it up. Mix it up. <laughs> but this time, you know, a, a nice Shiraz sounded pretty good. And we do typically go for, this is more context than anyone has ever wanted to know about our <laughs> wine flight choices. <laughs> We do typically go for two white wines and one red. I don't think we've ever gotten more than one red. I would like to say this is the way I think of it. I like to have like a white sampler as like a pre-dinner drink. Yes. The red is like a during dinner drink. Yes. And then the final sample is like a post-dinner dessert wine. That's how I think of it. Gosh, Julia, we're on the same wavelength. We've never discussed this, but I'm glad we're doing that. Start or finish with the White Haven? I usually finish with the White Haven because I want to end on the best possible note. Gosh. I've never loved you wow, more. Wow, can you tell you two are best friends? <laughs> 
I probably would do the same exact thing. We did just spoil some things about our opinions. But anyways, (laughs) the Shiraz was good. It's by 19 Crimes. We've had it once before. It has a nice mild flavor and it's really good for sipping while eating your meal like we were kind of talking about. The other one we had was the Vino Verde, which is a green wine. It was fine. It had had a strong flavor and it wasn't a strong flavor that I particularly appreciated what the heck is a green wine uh, who knows maybe made from green grapes that's all i can think of but i i would totally agree with those assessments beth i think that the 19 crimes i'm not always the biggest fans of reds especially if they're like too oaky um and i feel like this is a great medium sweet and oaky um i think it's honestly one of the better reds i've tried i think it's a kind of lighter if you're a person who does not typically like reds um you might like this one that's how i feel about it and then the vino verde it's just a white wine it tastes like a cheap white wine and now i believe it's time to discuss the white haven savion blanc which we already spoiled as our favorite but i absolutely love this white wine i think it might be one of my favorites that i've had it has a a strong aroma of grapefruit and you can smell it you can taste it and that really honestly makes this wine for me is the grapefruit um, essence and aroma yeah this is actually a one that we have gotten multiple times ever since we first tried it we were just kind of hooked and that really is unusual it's rare that we get something more than once but especially not like back-to-back weeks Mm. and this has been i think we're on like a four-week streak with this one yeah oh wow just a nice way to wrap up the meal. Um, also, just to update anyone, uh, my dragon pearl jasmine, same thoughts. I think it's wonderful. I love it. So just wanted to wrap that up, get rid of all the loose ends in terms of my beverage consumption <laughs> for tonight. Well, to summarize, we love the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. We love white wine. We love white wine. We want to hear your thoughts about the Bachelor finale. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And we want you to do a couple other things for us if you've got the time. Uh, We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review our podcast both on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, We'd also appreciate if you gave us a like on Facebook. We are Sips and Sensibility and we are on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod. Give us a follow there. Shoot us a DM. What do you think about the finale? I also want to ask you a very pointed question about who was announced as the Bachelorette, which I cannot do without spoiling it. So please let us know. Let us know let your us thoughts, know your thoughts. Um, on this adaptation as well as on really anything in pop culture. We're we're yeah, here to chat. Let us know. Also, I just wanted to say I just looked at our Spotify Sips and Sensibility rating for the Heck first yeah. time and it has officially appeared. Uh, it took a little while. As you have to get enough ratings for it to appear, but we're currently sitting at a hot 4.9. So thank you to everyone mm. who's gone ahead and rated us. We really appreciate that five star rating. We gotta love it. So uh, I guess I don't really have a big announcement for what we're going <laughs> to watch next week. <laughs> Um, because we're watching the second part of the series. Uh, so that will be episodes 51 through 100. Also, I will just say there's no way we can watch it without watching like the follow-up episodes. Mm-hmm. 
There's like yes. three of them, so <laughs> keep that in mind. Yeah, just watch those. They're all super short, and they're great. Just let it play. Just hit the playlist and let it play. Just let it keep going. So yeah, until next time, keep on sipping, y'all. <laughs>